Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting Minecraft discussion on this glorious day. I tell you, I don't usually uh, record podcasts in the sort of early evening, but it's just the way that the day turned out, and I have to describe, you know, I like to describe the atmosphere so you can kind of get a feel. Giovanni's right next to me, um, just being adorable. It's the first snow. It's November 1st. These get filmed a little bit before they actually go out there and it's it's the first snow and snow is my favorite and it's just snuggly and beautiful and i've actually got the the light up pumpkins on from last night just because uh i didn't take them down today so why not just enjoy uh enjoy them for one more day so it's a super snuggly atmosphere so anyway my name is dr kimberly quinn if i forgot to say that giovanni's next to me and today i wanted to talk about what happens when we worry about money? What happens when we worry about money? And so my shout out today goes to Sarah Bonbredneck and author of Simple Abundance. And it's interesting. I think I mentioned a few podcasts ago that she, uh, she I listened to a podcast with she and Oprah and she's had, she's had quite a, a bout with her relationship her, with her, with money herself. And it's, a really good pod, podcast. You want to look that up. And she has a book out other than this one. Oh, I forget what it's called. I'll have to come back to that one. But anyway, if you Googled her, obviously it would show up. So anyway, uh, Sarah often begins with a quote for her, these little blips that she has in her book, Simple Abundance, little short, I guess, I guess you call them chapters. Sometimes they're only a page or a page and a half. But anyway, so Karen Horney says, about worrying about money. Karen Horney says, concern should drive us into action and not into a depression. Awesome. You know, I really just love that, that quote of hers. And lately I've done a bunch of these money ones. And the one that I just put up on LinkedIn, well, it's YouTube, obviously. And I posted on LinkedIn, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago is money and its connection to our lives. And it got like a gazillion, less exaggerating, but anyway, it got tons and tons and tons of hits. People were really excited about that one. And so this is kind of, I guess, a continuation of the discussion because uh, Sarah starts out with saying, worrying about money never paid a bill. In fact, when I was, you know, just sort of skimming through here, getting ideas, that first sentence just kind of snagged me. It just caught me. Worrying about money never paid a bill. Isn't that the truth? Then she says, if it did, at least there'd be a legitimate reason for indulging in worry. Actually, worrying about money repels rather than attracts prosperity. Not exactly what we had in mind. And, you know, we know that to be true on several levels and from lots of people. Abraham Hicks is another one who I listen to frequently. And also Wayne Dyer, you know, I mentioned, and also Oprah. You know, Oprah's my fave. And... Abraham Hicks talks about this a lot. So does Aaron Doughty. And that we attract, you know, we're attracting when we worry about money and we're coming from this place of scarcity mindset, which is what that is coming from place of, of lack. We simply attract more lack. And even if we're, you know, sort of telling ourselves, I'm not going to think about that. I only have $3 in my account by telling yourself, you're not thinking about it. You're actually thinking about it. And so that's not helping. We have to shift into a place, we have to shift shift out of scarcity mindset and into a place of abundance, even, 
you know, if there's only $5 in a, in a checking account, oh, and Oprah actually says this verbatim, I just forget the money amount, but it's, it's like less than 10 that, you know, positive, you know, just, you know, to be, to be, to be happy that we've got five in there instead of being like in, in the negs. So anyway, Sarah says, um, worrying about money sends toxic signals, fear. That's a biggie fear, lack deprivation, because you think about this and obviously it's a tough sell. It's so beautiful outside right now. It, it's a tough sell when, when you're in it and I've been in it, many people have been in it when we're just overtaken by fear, the fear that comes from lack and not having enough. And, uh, you know, you know, just plain scared about how's it all going to come together. And if the fact is though, that rarely does any kind of positive come out of fear, you know, really with the one exception of getting out of immediate danger, you know, that's, you know, you're being chased by a saber tooth tiger and duck into a cave. Well, that was a good thing to do, but mostly when we, when we get taken up with fear, we don't make good decisions. We don't make good decisions. We're not comfortable, right? It's not pleasant to be overtaken by, by fear. Lack attracts more lack and deprivation not only attracts more lack, but brings about this, you know, shame component. Like what's the matter with me? I don't have money. What's the matter with me? I can't save money. What's the matter with me that I reckless, I'm a reckless spender. What's the matter with me? What's the matter with me? I'm flawed, defective, you know, damaged goods, whatever. So really it's kind of this spiral down that takes us far away from our authentic self, far away from alignment, far away from prosperity and abundance into a place that's kind of pinched off from all of that. That's what Abraham Hicks would say, pinched off from all of that. So then Sarah says, when, when your subconscious mind continually receives negative impulses, it duplicates in your daily round whatever it was instructed to manifest, such as fear, lack, and deprivation. You know, and another thing to sort of inject here is the 17th second rule. Abraham Hicks actually talks a lot about this because... 17 seconds is the approximate time it takes to for a thought to kind of really gain momentum. So um, if we can keep a, you know, a positive thought going, a prosperous, abundant thought, thought going, happy, joyful thoughts, you know, going for more than 17 seconds, that's awesome because it's, it's like a, you know, nice, heavy, wet snowball rolling downhill, picking up more good energy. And that's a good thing. However, when it's not a positive thought and it's coming from a place of scarcity, of fear, lack, deprivation, all those feelings of not enough that we can have, if we allow that scarcity-based thought to, to linger for more than 17 seconds, it's also that much tougher to get rid of because it's gained momentum and it's attracting more and more of what you really don't want because the universe gets confused and that's not all touchy-feely. We're talking about neurons and energy. So when the universe is hearing loud and clear that you're super focused on, you know, this gigantic deficit in your account or deficit doesn't actually, it doesn't even, scarcity mindset includes way more than money. We're on the topic of money at this minute. But the universe focuses on the thoughts because whatever we think, and Wayne Dyer says this constantly, thoughts expand. Deepak Chopra, all the biggies. Deepak Chopra and uh, just think about any of the great, the great thinkers out there that thoughts expand. So we got to be super careful about the thoughts we allow to linger and kind of cherry pick those. And certainly we want to 
you know, trim those quickly when they are coming from a place of scarcity. You know, of course, these these thoughts, you know, can can when they do hang around for too long and they kind of manifest, they can also be, you know, cumulative. And Sarah says, here's a perfect example. Many people assume that the reason that Amy, I try to pronounce this right, Decizen, maybe? The best-selling author of the Tightwad Gazette, a newsletter of the same name, raked in her first $1 million, paid off her mortgage, and hired financial planners is because her parsimonious philosophy was timely. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. Well, that's one explanation, Sarah says. The metaphysical one could be that Amy loves money. For over a decade, I got to stop right there for a second, because Amy loves money. And the thing is, in order to make money, you got to shake that guilt and that stigma of that, you know, when, when, when people like making money, when people are wealthy even, well, deep people definitely think rich people are jerks, I think, for the most part, which is unfortunate because rich people are just, are just people. They might be jerks, but people without money can be jerks too. Stereotypes don't usually, you know, aren't usually a good thing. But we also do, um, we do just have this, I don't know, this attachment to money that, you know, like you're a bad person or something if, if you want to go out and make a lot of money, that you're shallow, that you're not focused on the right things. And though that can certainly be true for some people, it's not true for, for all people. Rarely is anything true for all people. And I tell you, I've, I listened, I've listened to uh, Brooke Castillo's podcast about a million times. And this is one particular episode I lis- listened to over and over. And she's a, you know, a multi-millionaire. And she's all about the self-value, like about the, you know, the underneath, because our connection with money has everything to do with our relationship with ourselves. A connection to money, a relationship with money is, is like an outward expression of how we, how we, um, our relationship with ourselves. There's no question about it. And, you know, Brooke talks about, she loves making money. It's so much fun. And, and so... Um, Sarah says for over a decade, we're talking about this, um, this, uh, author now for over a decade, she started her newsletter, which led to her book. She reveled in her passion every day, reveled in her passion every day, which is also what Brooke Castillo talks about being in alignment, following your authentic purpose and shaking the guilt that if you make a lot of money, you're successful in that way, because success can be defined in all sorts of ways, right? That this doesn't make you a bad person. And then she even said, and actually Oprah says this too, when you make a lot of money, you, you've got, you got more of an ability to do well, to do, to do good things for people, you know, to do, to, um, you know, this outward expressions of love and do all kinds of things for people. So really, you know, uh, money can be used for lots and lots of really good things, obviously. So she said this love of money was characterized by a zealous frugality and fanatical economizing. And then she says it still is. Here's a woman who's de- who does not spend a penny unless it's pried loose from her hand. I don't know if I'd take it that far, to be honest, because for me, I don't think I'd want to be a financial anorexic either. And, and, and those of you who know way, way back in my 20s and 30s, and I'm a fabulous 58, so it's long. that story is long since way over. And, you know, kind of dissipated out, out into the world or not in the world, into space, gone. 
you know, now, now I have such a great relationship with myself and money that no more reckless spending for me. Flip side of that is I did not become a financial anorexic because the reason is life is too short, you know? Um, and you can really kind of go the other way with that too. You know, if I'm out to dinner and this, you know, like, like if, if I'm out to dinner and, you know, the house wine is $7 and they've got this fabulous Tuscan wine for, and that's eight fifty instead of $7. I'm going for the Tuscan wine. I mean, that's just how it is. And that also, for me in that circumstance, would be an, ex, an extra expression of internal value. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm loving myself. I work my ass off, even though I love what I do, so it doesn't feel like work. But let's just say for the sake of the example, so $1.50 more, absolutely. Now, obviously, $1.50 can be a ton of money, so we're not saying to be reckless at all no way and if and if that that italian wine instead of seven dollars or 27 dollars, i would not do it because that would be absolutely painful but for an extra dollar 50 more sure wow so this is so much so much like the brooke castillo podcast so that's brooke i think with an e actually i'm not positive and then castillo is c-a-s-t-i-l-l-o in case you want to look that up i forget the name of the actual episode but you just you know, put in the search and you'll find it. Okay. So Sarah goes on to say, love is the most powerful, positive emotion in existence. Love attracts. Amy's positive cash, fix, positive cash fixation was expressed in continuous thought as she sowed. So she reaped. Eventually money began, began arriving at her doorstep in royalty and subscription checks. And again, Brooke, ta- lots of people talk about this because we have to, and Aaron Dottie might've talked about this too. I forget. But anyway, lots of people do because if we have, again, if we have that negative, I'm a bad person, I feel guilty because I have more than other people thing, then, then that, and who else says this too? Brooke says it. Wayne Dyer says it. We can't make ourselves broke enough to make somebody else have enough. We can do things. We can be proactive. We can do things to combat hunger. We can do th- make do actions, of, obviously, of course. Just go out there and spread the kindness. And that said, it's, you know, abundance is infinite. Kind of like, you know, if uh, I've used before the example of, you know, a pizza. And there's, you know, if there, you go to a, a pizza party and there are two pizzas there. And there are, you know, let's say 10 people and everybody had one. Some people had two. Well, you wouldn't go and take a third. If, you know, the people who just had one didn't get a second or that, you know, you just wouldn't, or it might be a fourth because you just wouldn't do that. Well, that's not the way universal abundance works or infinite pizzas. You could eat 10 pizzas and it doesn't, it doesn't leave anybody going hungry. And I think we have a rat, you know, sort of this attachment in our heads that if we are prospering, that it takes away from someone else. That is just not the, absolutely not the case. Abundance is infinite. So we've got to. We've got to shake that, that whole idea, that thinking away. If abundance is going to, you know, flow freely, like from a faucet, just dump all over our laps. So now uh, Sarah says, now thinking about money every minute of every day until the millennium, until the well, actually, we're, this is shows you a little bit dated here. Um, it isn't, isn't how I used, isn't how I choose to live. If she meant the, the turn of the century, I'm not really sure. This book is rather old. But it's very, very good. Anyway, but what are the alternatives to worry? Lots, because here I got to interject again, because like I say to my Minecrafters, my in-class, my in-person Minecrafters, 
Worrying is simply rehearsing being anxious. So just like anything else we practice, we get good at it. So we can practice violin, we can practice cooking, we can practice soccer, we can practice singing or skiing or whatever, and we get better at it. You can even practice robbing banks and you'll get better at it. It's just the truth. When we practice worrying, we get better at it too. So we can become like a, you know, the Michael Phelps of worrying if we really, really want to. So, so she says, what are the alternatives to worry? Well, she says, first, calculate whether you have enough money for all your needs today. And she has today in italics. If you do, stop focusing on lack this minute. You probably have all the money you need to take care of today's needs and more. It doesn't matter how much more. Anytime you have more than you need, you have abundance. Oh, I love that. Catch yourself the next time you start dwelling on what you don't have. Switch tracks to noticing and appreciating all you do have. As this becomes a personal habit, you'll find yourself coping well with any amount of money you have rather than worrying about it. And of course, worrying, in addition to practicing anxiety, right, is, is oh, in, it, in and of itself is also a manifestation. It's a manifestation of anxiety. We practice it and get better and better and better at it. So often this is the what if thinking, right? This is, or the catastrophizing. Those are two ways anxiety can manifest. What if this? What if I find enough? What if I think, what if they take my car away? What if they take the house away? What if I have to move to an apartment that's smaller and excuse me, in a sketchy part of town or what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, or catastrophizing. I just know, you know, I have just enough money in the bank. I'm finally climbing out and I'm going to lose my job. That'd be catastrophizing. Those are all manifestations of anxiety. And so Sarah says, worry is a future tense emotion. Worry is a projection of a possible, not necessarily probable scenario. So that's what we're talking about with the catastrophizers. You know, could it happen? Yes, you could lose every single thing you own. Is that probably going to happen? Probably not. And then and then she says, my favorite anti-worrying about money suggestion comes from the, Sina- the Samaya Roman and, sorry, I'm in a little bit of a dim atmosphere right now, and Dwayne Packer, the authors of, I hope I said that right, Sanaya Roman, Roman, and Dwayne Packer, the authors of Creating Money, Keys to Abundance. Well, that's good. I like that. You know, there's also the plain and simple fact that worrying doesn't get you anywhere. It's this gigantic expense of energy. You know, most people that are, at least that I've met, and I've had students talk about it and things when we discuss this in Minecraft, that worrying is exhausting. In fact, I saw... Um, there was a um, a meme, and I actually used the image for something I was working on. I think it was my, I think it was the anxiety webinar I just did, and <coughs> excuse me, and it had a picture of a rocking chair, and it said, you know, kind of sitting in a rocking chair, rocking is like anxiety. It keeps you busy, but you don't get anywhere. I mean, that's exactly it. And just think of all the life minutes spent. You know, they're just going right circling the drain that will just sort of, you know, never get back again due to worrying. So then Sarah kind of gets into, you know, ways to not worry. And first is to realize what a gigantic waste of energy it is. And she comes up with maybe rather than, you know, as a a nice distraction to worrying, rather than letting that feedback loop just run through your mind all day, reinforcing itself, getting stronger, 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 rather, remember the 17 second thing, 
um, getting stronger, 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 reinforced, reinforced. So it just takes on a life of its own, like a runaway train. There's that. Or we could say instead, how can I create money today? How can I create money today? We can also make a plan to create money over the week. Let's start with today. This, this shifts the mind into conscious thinking rather than being, being locked into the limbic system, which is locked in to that fear, right? The amygdala is in full tilt, just running that feedback loop around, 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 around. Pulls our, our, our focus out of there into an action plan, which is distracting and also practical and gets us someplace. So, you know, when we can shift out of, you know, to distract ourselves, to shift away from the what if thinking into the what can I do to create money? Sarah says this fuels your fuels your fiscal creativity, restoring a sense of peace as you pursue prosperity. And then she says constant worry about money blocks your creativity and clear thinking. Oh, this is what Roman and Packer remind us. When you have very little money, you are learning many lessons that will make it easier to handle money when it comes to break through this level you may need to keep your life simple and uncomplicated in terms of money expenses demands and needs think of yourself as the rose rose bush that is cut back in the winter so they can that it may grow strong in the spring oh i love that that is so super good so long and the short of it is worrying gets you nowhere it's exhausting and it attracts more of what you're trying to avoid so it really the only way out is through. And you know, I know it can be a tough sell when we're in that place. And I can tell you I've been in, in that place more than once. And it can be a, feel like a really super heavy lift because it is. Though the fact, you know, the fact is that the just like we're the only ones that can choose happiness, we're the only ones that can choose prosperity and abundance. That's just to, to, to get out of the scarcity mindset. We have to make a conscious shift. Practice, practice, retrain the brain because neurons that wire together, fire together. And the brain loves patterns, as you know. So we've got to kind of, just like we, we would direct a two-year-old to, to better behavior sort of constantly, the brain needs this as well. And if it's used to these old, you know, these old patterns, these old stories, these old bad money stories of scarcity, it's going to take a little while to say, nope, not that way, this way. Here we go. New story, new story. We're on the track with abundance and money flow and prosperity now. Come this way, come this way, come this way. Change those thinkings. thinking. Thinking. When we change our thoughts, we change our lives. That's just how it goes. Okay, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from the beautifully snowy northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.